Comments made on the Ceratalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Ceratech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. It's time for High Contrast here on the Ceratalk Podcast Network. And today, we have some various topics for the visually impaired community, those folks that are sort of trapped in between sighted and not sighted. Uh, Today, we are joined by the typical cast of characters. To my left is Mari Hill of the Zoomed In blog over at AISquared.com. Hi, Rodney and Jeremy. How are you today? I'm good. And we have Jeremy Curry off to the right here from GW Micro. Hey, Rodney. How's it going today, sir? It's going pretty good. Uh, Hopefully we can get through these tough topics that we have planned here. Uh, I think probably everyone needs to hold hands and be real (laughs) calm and, and collected about the first topic, which is organization and dealing with the worst thing possible, which is paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um. See, this is what I'm saying. Every everyone can't stand to deal with paperwork because it. Even though you have sight, sometimes you feel like you're really not as bad off as you think. But then someone gives you a big stack of papers and says, uh, "Can you collate this?" Uh, <laughs> then next thing you realize, gee, I really don't see that great. <laughs> So one of the big topics is always the paying of bills, whether it be household or doctor bills or anything like that. Uh, What are some of the techniques that everyone tries to use for dealing with bill paying, checkbook balancing? Oh, oh my gosh. Don't even go there. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of that lately. I've been traveling a lot. And so I come home and I have all these receipts I have to enter into my check register because I use a debit card and I don't keep up with it or entering my checks in. So it all piles up at once and is so overwhelming. But I do it under a CCTV, but you can't really do it with a handheld. One of those things that you have to kind of be at home to do, not one of those things that you can get done on a train ride or something. One of the things that I do is kind of keep track of what I spend on a daily basis, either in my iPhone or whatever it happens to be, take a voice memo. And then I use um, Excel to, to do like a little checkbook. It's not anything fancy. It's just the little thing that I formulated. And then I use uh, my budget to actually go through and keep track of what I spent for the month and um, then use online banking to be able to check into those things. But Writing checks, uh, if I don't have a CCTV with me, I cheat a little bit and use my wife for that part. So we kind of split up the responsibilities between the two of us. Ah, the old spouse. Read this for me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That reading machine works great. It's 100% accurate. (laughs) You know what? I got something to say about spouses or whoever you might have that maybe even does all the bills for you or something of the household, you need to thank them every single day. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't we all wish we had our own personal assistant? Is that like a common dream for us, or for anybody, but especially if you're visually impaired? Yeah, it'd be nice if you could take somebody with you all the time everywhere you go, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I guess I have to thank myself then because I'm the <laughs> bill-paying checkbook monitoring and everything. Yeah, uh, I do too. I mean, what I do is I mostly just use online banking. I do use uh, Mint.com, which will actually use uh, the Yodely platform to get all your banking accounts pulled into one place. It's kind of like Quicken. It's not really accessible with a speech-to-text, but... Text to speech, I guess it is. It's the other way around, isn't it? Uh, but I mostly use it with uh, magnification. So that usually works out pretty good because you can set up your categories, you can get charts and things like that. And eh, I don't find the interface to be that small or difficult to read. I mostly carry a pair of uh, cheap glasses in my pocket that are like 6x magnification. Or if I'm at home, I'll use like a dome magnifier to get to the point of what I'm looking at. I usually have a pretty good memory as far as how much was it that I spent on dinner last night? I think it was around 1450. Yeah, that looks right. <laughs> <laughs> These are all great tips. Uh, Jeremy, I like that. Giving yourself an audio note, like if you go out to dinner, I spent blah, blah, blah. And then you can just listen to it as you write it in your register or do your Excel instead of looking at the receipt. It saves a lot of hassle, and when I have to travel for work, I have just receipt upon receipt upon receipt. And, and yeah. by the time that you get back, like you were talking more about when you were out traveling and you get back and you're just overwhelmed, you've got a 100 receipts and the text is barely on there, and even if you magnify it, it's really hard to see it. Yeah. And so it's one of the things I find that really, really helps me a lot anyways. Mm-hmm. I do have a large print checkbook and register that helps. I can pretty easily write a check without having it be under my CCTV. The register I can do without it, but kind of with a struggle. doesn't necessarily go on the correct line. But what I've been thinking about lately, I said I use a debit card. And with a debit card, you have to enter everything in your check register. And I'm thinking maybe I should just do everything with a credit card. And then... I hate credit cards, but that would really cut down the paperwork, wouldn't it? Because you wouldn't have to write it down in your check register. You could just take the statement. Yeah, that's one of the things I do. I'm one of those guys that tries to get out of debt and stay out of debt, so I don't use a credit card. I don't have them anymore, but I do use a debit card quite a bit, which functions really the same way. And I can then watch that come through my bank you know, either the next day or within the next few days. Rather than having to wait a month, you know, with a credit card at the end of the 30 days where you've got all these things racking up with the debit card, it just kind of shows up and it's easy to be able to track those things. For me, at least a lot easier to be able to continually keep organized. And so I'm kind of a geek with numbers, even though I'm not a math geek, but I like to make sure I know where every single penny I'm spending is going. And so... Each day at my first break, that's what I do is I check my account, check my organization and and go through my checkbook. And it takes me about five minutes that way. And um, that way I'm not overwhelmed at the end of the month trying to figure out what's here, what's not here. What did I miss? Because if I did that, I would I'd be way, way unorganized because that's just the type of person I am. Mm-hmm. Now, do either of you use automatic payments where it automatically does a draft of your account? Yes, whenever I can. If I trust, if it's the same amount every month, like a bill, then I think I do a bill pay where it automatically sends a check. If it's a varying amount, 
like electric bill and phone bill. I have them take it out automatically, but I wouldn't do that for anything. It's a little uncomfortable giving them that ability, but for just electric bill and phone bill, I do that. Yeah, I do the same thing too. Yeah, anything that's automatic will uh, save you a lot of time. Yeah. I'm with you. Anything, anybody who's trustworthy, like the people who take out my mortgage or my insurance company, right? Uh, any of those types of things. Now, I guess for those of you out there listening, one thing I've been told by financial classes that I've been through is that if you have debt collectors coming to you, which I don't have, but you know, some people may have that. Those are people you don't typically want to give your bank information to because they'll just wipe you out. And so those are the things I would, uh, try and avoid just as a little side tip i guess wow i hadn't thought of that okay so with that kind of thing comes mail is there any tips as far as what you do to sort mail i know i mostly have everything come as far as bills they're all emailed to me you know your bill's ready come look at your website in order to see it so mostly my mail is junk mail that automatically is sort, 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 trash, 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 and I'm done. <laughs> I don't have any great tips because <laughs> even junk mail, I can't really tell for sure if it's junk mail until I put it under the CCTV. So that's one of those time-consuming tasks that I really hate, and I unfortunately let it pile up. I don't handle it every single day. So I'm not a good one to ask on that one. I, again, kind of use a little bit of the spouse cheat there sometimes, <laughs> but I also use a, a CCTV and a reading machine. But sometimes the bills can get so complex, it's really difficult to have things read columns within columns. So that's something else, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit geeky about being organized, but I check the mail every day and make sure that whatever is in there, I have dealt with. But again, I kind of use a spousal cheat a bit there. Yeah, that's excellent. That's not fair. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, no spouse? <laughs> no spouse, but she can't sort the mail. <laughs> oh, right, right. I, I knew you had a spouse. <laughs> yeah. I forgot. No, she, she has to scan things and it's time. I mean, she can do it. It's just time consuming yeah. for her to have to go through that. And I can grab my glasses or magnifier and sort of fly right through it okay i'm looking at the time warner bill and yeah that looks like the same bill it's supposed to be type of thing a lot of places are starting to mailing it by email so that's that's a lot better to me than uh actual paper yeah that's now every year here in the u.s you have to come up with tax preparation and keeping up with receipts and documents and watching the mail for all of those Important tax documents. Uh, I think everybody here is pretty much using CCTVs. Uh, is anyone using like handheld magnifiers or anything like that in order to go through the mail or look for documents like that? Once in a while, I'll, if I want to be outside on the deck or something and go through mail, just the, the first pass of it, figuring out what's junk mail, I'll do that. But in general, I'll wait till I can actually sit down at the big monster. CCTV. Yeah, it, it depends for me. Sometimes I use the big monster CCTV. Sometimes I just require things, electronic text, stuff that's been around for a while. And you're going to see that I rely a lot on my wife, but she is kind of in charge of the filing system. We all, we, both of us kind of have certain tasks that we do. 
and the stuff that's more difficult just usually gets allocated to her. So I hate to keep using the spousal cheat, but no, that's um, a good like one. Maury said, I've got to <laughs> got to say thank you to her a lot more often. <laughs> Please. Now, as far as taxes, do people usually try to do taxes themselves? You TurboTax with a screen magnifier, do anything as far as going to your local accountant to get your taxes done every year? I have used TurboTax for years, foolishly. (laughs) It's not accessible, screen readers, at least Zoom text, and I'm sure the other ones don't work well with it either as far as reading the text because it's not very accessible. A few things it reads, but that's not very useful. It needs to read it all. And sometimes typing echo works so you can hear the numbers that you type in. Sometimes it, in certain areas it doesn't. So it's been a real challenge for years and years and years. And finally, I went to an accountant this year. And why didn't I do it earlier? It was not that much more expensive than buying TurboTax. So <laughs> if you can do it, do it, please. That's what I do. I I have a couple different reasons for that. Not only the I stuff, but the IRS is probably the last uh, organization that I want to have mad at me or have to owe money to. Um, so IRS, if you're listening, by the way, everything's been done professionally. By, <laughs> no, just kidding. But um it's simpler. All I have to do is bring the receipts, hand them over, and they either say, here's how much you owe or here's what you're going to get back. And it just makes life a lot easier. I don't have the headaches of not only having to deal with everything myself and answer all the questions from TurboTax or whoever it happens to be, but knowing that I've got that professional backing and just the, the simplicity behind it is really the reason that I do that. And I've done that, I guess, probably for the last decade or so it's just been very simple and so i haven't even ventured in much to the uh whole turbo tax side of things other than just trying some demos and stuff yeah i used to do the turbo tax and then i just decided you know i'm gonna get somebody else to do it so for about fifty dollars a year i can get someone to do it and they electronically file so i don't really have to worry about okay is the mail gonna lose it do i have plenty of copies all of that so right uh, it's definitely worth checking into for the peace of mind now on to something that jeremy's wife cannot do for him <laughs> uh, come on monitor his <laughs> monitoring his daily calendar Uh (laughs) Well, she may monitor it. She just doesn't (laughs) necessarily input into it. (laughs) So with everyone being sort of in business world here, I mean, everybody works for a company. You got to keep up with your schedule. You're traveling. You're doing different things. Are there apps for your mobile devices or your computer that you end up having to use in order to keep up with your calendar. Me, I pretty much have to use Outlook at work, which is the most irritating thing possible, uh, (laughs) just because it's just not the greatest application to me. I agree. Uh, Plus, they do not allow us to put it on our phones, so we actually can't have it on our mobile devices. So that's a drawback. So what does everyone do as far as calendars? When I didn't have any iDevices, I just used Microsoft Outlook and would always have to go to my computer. And I bought the best jumbo big calendar I ever bought, paper one, was at the dollar store. And it was like three feet by four feet. And I put it on my kitchen door. 
and the days were actually had big enough space to write in with your Sharpie. I found a lot of those jumbo calendars that they sell for low vision, they make the date so large and bold that there's no room left in the box to write anything in. <laughs> but that got old because things change and you have to cross things out and add them in and it didn't work. So I completely went electronic with Outlook and now I have an iPhone. So this calendar sync and now I have a calendar in my pocket and that's great. Except that when I get reminded of something like on my iPhone, it's hard to get it to speak it. You have to kind of flick your finger around for it to voice over to speak what it's reminding you of. And once you've said like, okay, or close, it doesn't remind you again. But I understand there's that's changing in iOS 6, that they're, you're going to have the ability to, you know, remind me again in a half hour or something. So that will be key for me to be able to not miss appointments, which I do tend to do once in a while. Yeah, I um, use both Outlook and my iPhone. I actually use iTunes to sync them and um, to some extent my iPad, but it's more of a personal use than my um, iPhone is. And so I I don't sync them over the cloud. I guess I could. I just don't. And so I connect it via the old-fashioned way with a wire to uh, the USB port and um, sync both of them. And that really helps when I'm out on the road because that's what I use all the time to figure out where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to be doing. I have friends who actually use Gmail, and then they have like a joint calendar between their family, so they can always add things and go back and forth. And that seems like a really good idea. I just haven't been able to invest the time into doing that yet because um, my wife's wonderful, but she's not a super lover of technology, shall we say. And so that makes things a little more difficult for her. So she has her own little calendar she writes stuff on, and usually she gets that information from my phone since I can't really see it that well. But I really love the ability in Outlook to set stuff up and invite people to meetings and things. And since we're not using Exchange, which is usually what makes that program so difficult to use, it's pretty simple internally. And I find that I get a lot of external requests that way. So that keeps me uh, on track of what I'm supposed to be doing, and then I just easily transfer that to my iPhone and my iPhone comes up and tells me if I've got something. And it's really great when I set a 15 minute alert reminder ahead of time, because my iPhone will buzz and my computer will buzz at the same time. So if I'm like asleep or something at my computer, then they'll just both come up and makes it easy to remind myself I'm supposed to be doing something. Yeah, I, I do use iCloud so that I don't have to physically sync it to my computer all the time, but the disadvantage of that. So when I enter something in Outlook on my computer, it's almost instantly on my iPhone calendar, which I really love that and vice versa. But I guess the disadvantage is that if you're traveling and you don't have internet connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess that would be the disadvantage. They could keep track of that information, I guess, if it was in the cloud and it's stored locally. But then, yeah, if you were trying to update it, that would be a problem. Okay. I mostly just use uh, Google for everything. Unfortunately, I can't use, like I say, I can't do anything as far as my work calendar, which actually would be a benefit to be able to look on the commute to work and say, oh, I've got a meeting at 830. Got to cancel that. <laughs> Uh -huh. But unfortunately, that's not an option.
Uh, and speaking of mobile devices and trying to keep things in the cloud, secure, safe, and wonderful, uh, how do people keep up with their passwords? Uh, recently, that's been a big topic in the news as far as people's accounts being hacked, needing to use something other than my dog's name, Bubba, you know, or something as your password. Uh, mm-hmm. Are any of you using something like uh, LastPass or 1Password, something like that? No. I'm doing it the old-fashioned way, writing it with a Sharpie on a piece of paper, and I have them all in a folder in a drawer somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite is when you walk into a school or a corporation and their passwords are on a Post-it note just right on top of the monitor. (laughs) (laughs) Well. That's security at its finest. (laughs) It works. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've often thought about using the master password feature that Firefox uses. I just haven't. So I typically just remember mine, but don't change them every however many days they recommend, 30, 90 days, whatever it is these days. And so I just have a bunch of different ones that are similar. But that way, depending on what I'm going to, if one of the passwords I use doesn't work, I try another one and try to make it as simple as possible. Yeah, I pretty much use uh, LastPass for everything because it stores all of the passwords in the cloud. You really only have to remember one master password, uh, and you can have all unique at other websites, uh, which has saved my bacon on several occasions. Uh, I used to use the Mozilla password, but then when I installed LastPass, it says, do you want to import all of your Mozilla passwords? And I'm like, okay. And then after I did that, I thought about, you know, if LastPass can crack into the passwords in Mozilla Firefox that easily, I don't know that it's that safe. <laughs> uh, and that's what security mm. professionals have since said, was that the password savers in your browsers really aren't as safe as something like 1Password or uh, LastPass, which LastPass, I think it's $12 a year. You can use it on your mobile devices, and it's free if you're just going to use it on your browser so that's a good thing Mm. plus it works as far as all browsers wow it's an app or what is it uh yeah it's it's a app extension plugin whatever the particular browser you like to use most calls their extensions i guess uh but yeah you can go to lastpass.com and get that okay Excellent. And it'll bring up a little toolbar on your computer and it'll say, do you want to automatically log in? And you can say yes. And do you want to save this password? And then you'll say yes. And then it'll give you options as far as do you want it to autofill? Do you want it to always prompt you for your secure password? Uh, so hmm. that's that's something that I find indispensable. That sounds great. So you can uniquely customize it for each thing, like uh, Twitter. I don't want it to automatically fill in stuff like that. Exactly. Oh, that's neat. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, and it will generate your passwords for you. You can say, okay, I want my Amazon password to be characters, numbers, uh, special characters, and I want it to be 16 characters long, and it'll generate it for you. So you don't actually have to think up something like that. Mm-hmm. Because as humans, we are very predictable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We are, yeah. And now that we are at a stopping place, we'll take a short little break here and come back with a wonderful review from Joe Steinkamp of Peggle. And 
We'll return shortly to High Contrast on SPN. The traditional light bulb, a groundbreaking invention in 1879. Other groundbreaking ideas from that time, the whalebone corset, the pedal-operated submarine, and the two-story outhouse. We've come a long way since then. It's time our light bulbs did the same. Visit energysavers.gov and learn about energy-saving light bulbs. See, these new bulbs are more efficient than the old ones, like a text message is more efficient than a carrier pigeon. They last longer, too. Like how we humans last longer now that doctors use antibiotics instead of leeches. And they cut down on our energy costs. Because in our own groundbreaking age of aeroplanes and moving pictures, we deserve a light bulb that saves us some cash. Saving energy saves you money. Learn more at energysavers.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. It's Joe Steinkamp back with another app review, and this time for the iPad, I love Peggle. P-E-G-G-L-E. Peggle uh, is available on PC, on Xbox, on PlayStation, just about everything that PopCap can actually get this game onto. And the neat thing about this app is that you really don't have to be incredibly good at video games to play this one. Here's the thing. You have a play field with a bunch of blue spikes on it. And you maneuver your little crosshair back and forth from the left side to the right side of the screen. And you launch a ball and it hits the pegs and turns them orange. And the idea is to knock out all of these pegs as best you can. So you will hit them and uh, hitting certain colored ones will cause you to have um, bonus features like you could launch it into a fireball that'll ricochet more. Or it'll give you the ability to have lightning that you can then bounce off a little platform at the bottom that goes back and forth. So you have all these things from the classic Atari game Breakout. But the neat feature here is that the ball always starts up at the top. It always heads to the bottom so you can track it if you have low vision. It actually has a mode in which you can change the colors for those who have color blindness. I actually own this on several platforms. Um, the iPad version is actually better than my Xbox version, where I can put it on my Xbox and have it on my big 43-inch television. But the iPad, you can actually tap and zoom in on an area. So if you're not sure if there is a background image that's a peg, but it, you know, you're just trying to verify. Tapping in, you can see whether it's a peg or actually, oh, wow, that's just some little picture in the background. I don't actually have to worry about trying to knock that out. The cool thing here about this particular app is that there are tons of levels. There's always something new to see. There is an addition of, if you finish all this, there's a Peggle Knights, which is an add-on to the game. It's very, very inexpensive. You also open up a challenge mode, and challenges actually give you better replay where you actually play against the computer. 
So very simple gameplay, doesn't take a lot to learn, but it does take a while to master. Go to YouTube and look up Peggle so you can see some of the gameplay if you want to see what that looks like before you ever really sit down and pay for this app because there is not a free version. So you want to make sure that you really want to play this game before you put some money on it. It is available from the App Store and uh, it's always on sale, usually around the holidays. So you want to keep an eye out. P-E-G-G-L-E. It's Peggle, available now on many devices, but I happen to like the iPad version because of that tap to zoom. Our next topic here on High Contrast is going to be video magnifier replacements. Uh, Sadly, Jeremy Curry had to drop out really quickly, so we're going to pull in the big cheese himself, Joe Steinkamp. Ah, tag team mayhem. (laughs) Yes, maybe we can fit 80s television into this somehow, but maybe not. Yeah. (laughs) Fabulous free birds. Oh wait, no, this isn't EOL. I'm sorry. I'll get I'll get serious. I'll get serious. Sorry. Yeah, calm <laughs> down. Up. Calm down. EOLshow.com. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so in the news recently has been a lot of talk about video magnifiers and can they replace CCTVs, which we know Mari, who is still sitting here, she uses a CCTV for everything, as opposed to Jeremy, who left, who uses his wife for everything else. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I, I may be guilty of that. He is. He may not be alone. <laughs> the whole time you guys were talking about this, I went, ew, math. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of uh, apps that I have played with a little bit are the Vision Assist, which is five ninety nine for iOS. Uh, I've also played with the Lumen uh, for one ninety nine, and I've also. Uh, use the iSight by SightTech, which is a $29.99 app that you can get for iOS. Each one has a little bit different options. The Vision Assist and iSight seem to be a little bit on par with each other. Uh, Vision Assist is an app that will give you varying degrees of magnification. It uses sliders in order to change contrast and sharpness. And iSight goes about it a little bit differently. It uses iOS gestures in order to zoom and change your aspect and different things that you might want to do. For me, Vision Assist seems to be pretty good. I kind of lean towards the iSight as I'm using that. I did get a code for that for doing a demonstration at the Tech Access Daily Tip or Democast, as we are now calling it because we're lazy and can't do daily. Uh, Has these apps been used or something else by either of you? I just checked out the Vision Assist on iPad 3 at work, and I was pretty impressed for $5.99 because you could do a little bit of distance viewing. Like I pointed it to a document that was hanging on the wall and then was able to use a slide bar to increase it so I could read it and then change the colors. And I was pretty impressed, especially if you already have an iPad. Anyways. I do not have an iDevice with a camera. I'm one of those who has an original iPad, uh, and so I've been snubbed by Apple in that I will have to get another iPad. Uh, (laughs) So I don't have any iDevices that would necessarily use this. I have played with a couple of apps, uh, none worth mentioning here, uh, on Android. The, The problem with doing this on Android is that you have 
multiple cameras in that you might have an older camera with a 3.5 and that's no good. Really, you want something that's five megapixels or higher, uh, eight preferable, any more than eight is even awesomer. Uh, <laughs> and, and you really have to think about lighting, positioning, and if your hand shakes. So if you have an iPad, you may want to put your elbows on the table to kind of balance. Uh, it's not the easiest thing to hold, uh, especially because it's wide. And if you have any issues with grip, you might want to think about that because there are quote unquote stands that I have seen that people have used with OCR apps, but that's something extra you're going to have to buy and carry. So my first thought when using some of these on either device, iOS, Android, uh, is that you have to think about how you can you know hold it, what's the best way to position. Some of the ones that I've used on Android actually allow you to keep the light on all the time for extra lighting. Did you have the option to to flip on the lights on your iPhone, Rodney, on either one of these or uh, flash? If I remember correctly, all three, I think, give you the option for the light. Uh, the okay. Lumen actually allows you to turn on the light and keep it on and you can take pictures. And then it's interesting because it actually has social networking involved so that you can email the picture to yourself or send out a tweet or something like that. That's uh, freaky. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit crazy yeah. you can you can lock the screen by hitting the button at the bottom of the screen Here's how much i paid for sushi exactly <laughs> yeah i don't need that in your twitter's timeline thanks appreciate it look at, uh, but, look but at but the size see, of that olive <laughs> i could see sending that to yourself in dropbox or something I, I if you we just had the conversation about you know receipts and pictures and stuff like that so as long as it wasn't anything confidential that you didn't want online you know, that's actually kind of a neat kind of aspect to it. Now, could you use these with voiceover active or does the slider controls require voiceover not to be running? I did encounter a few issues with the eyesight app because they use gestures uh, yeah. to do everything uh, as far as like tapping to change your contrast level or your high contrast colors, uh, which they are working on to try and make that less sensitive the Vision Assist, to me, worked with, if I remember correctly, worked with VoiceOver so that you could actually maneuver the slides. Uh, oh, the disadvantage to the slides is just the fact that it takes up screen real estate. Yeah. They don't go away. And on a very small, like an iPhone screen, that would be a big problem, whereas on the iPad it might not. Do any of these support Retina, do you know? Uh, I am using them all on the iPad 3, and I haven't had any issues that I've been able to tell. Huh. Um, we talked uh, in the in the pre-show a little bit about this. M Jeremy is, is kind of skeptical about uh, where some of these are, and naturally I was a, a video magnifier evaluator for the state of Texas, so I, I'm, I'm trying to be as open-minded as possible because for me, I still prefer... My handheld, in full disclosure, I have a SenseView light from Hims, And the advantage, of course, is that here it is in an all-in-one. The disadvantage is, of course, battery. Uh, did you find that these drained the battery pretty quickly? I found that if you had the light on, you know, yeah. as far as using it on the iPhone, because the iPad does not have a flash, but I did notice that the battery will drain a little bit faster if you are using the light. But if you take into account your environment, you can be in probably a well-lit area or 
have a desk lamp nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only comparison I have for these are the I Love You uh, that I reviewed in a daily tip over at Tech Access. And I don't feel like there's a lot of difference to me just in having that one point of reference as far as using either the eyesight or vision assist to me it was very similar you just have to get used to having a steady hand right uh, or trying to look for something like an easel or some way to position the device uh, the guys over at eyesight are trying to actually come up with stands that they can put the ipad on in order to make it more like a cctv which will be interesting it when they actually have one of those to sell. Right, because writing is the most crucial task, I would think, uh, being able to write under it or being able to make a note or something like that. And that's where having an XY table on a larger video magnifier works out because if you have to do something like ledgers or legal documents, rolling something under a camera and being able to put your pen right on it takes a little bit of practice and being able to do that with a stand makes a lot of sense because while it sounds great that you could just move your hand to where you want to magnify to sign something if you're not ambidextrous even with existing handhelds you have a difficulty in that your right hand may be also the hand you write with so that may be the hand you aim with And then you're like, okay, wait a minute, I've got to put this thing down and sign. Oh, where's my extra arm? You know, that kind of thing. So it does take a little bit of practice. And again, having an iPhone to me would seem a little easier for maneuvering than I want to go read a menu. Oh, wait, let me grab my iPad. Now, for some people, that probably isn't a big deal because they probably take their iPad to dinner anyway and and ignore their family. Um, But (laughs) it it, it is possible that, you know, you're having a weight issue or something extra that you have to carry. I guess the benefit is, is that you're not carrying uh, the bandolier of assistive technology across your chest. with You know, here's my video magnifier and here's my iPhone and here's my book sense and here's my blank and my blank and my blank. I don't think any of these that, okay, we've kind of got three categories here, the the big desktop CCTV, the mm-hmm. handheld CTVs, and then we've got these apps. And although well, there Or the is, midlines, the ones that kind of hover around the 10-inch kind of $1,500 right. level. Yeah. Right. So there's some overlap. I think each one is absolutely the best at doing certain things and it's tough to get one thing that does it all the best there is no such thing you know take a monocular i mean that, that's another option and that doesn't require batteries per se and that's, no batteries that's kind, of a, and that's kind of an advantage yeah you pull it out and you can read a street sign possibly um although there's an app for that too you know sendero yeah look around sure. and that there's works that. good too Or for Android, there's Google Goggles where you could actually take a picture of signs and have it read to you and and that kind of thing. And and, and at the same time, weight in in configuring is a big part of this. Like, let's say Freedom Scientific's Ruby uh, has an extendable handle and it's kind of wide. And it's easier for some older people to use because it's a wide, well-balanced piece of equipment 
where again, you might block the screen with your hand or you might not be able to hold it correctly with the iPhone, you know, because the iPhone for some people, they're used to holding backwards, right? Because your left hand, if you're right-handed, your left hand goes under the device and your right hand is your pointer to actually dial something. Some people, again, have that. And I've, and I've seen this uh, have a little bit of a jump when trying to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to put my hand here, but yet I want to activate this here. Um, so, you know, to each his own. And I think it's great that these things are maturing. Now, Rodney, did you feel like you had to go read anything on the web or watch a video or were they pretty much intuitive or, or did you feel like you had to go read the manual? They were pretty much intuitive. The eyesight app was a little interesting because it uses the gestures. So you actually had to go into the help screen in order to figure out, okay, this gesture does this, and why does my color keep changing every time I tap the screen? Uh, <laughs> which they're supposed to be working on that in the next update, I believe. Uh, but, I mean, just minor things like that. Most things have buttons or sliders that you can pretty much figure out after tapping it a couple times. Okay, that's going to change my color of the screen. So they're pretty simple in that respect. The Lumen has an interesting thing because it'll actually show you a tiny little picture up in the corner of kind of what you're looking at and sort of give you a aspect of, okay, you've got it aimed kind of up in the top left corner. If you want to continue, you can go to a different place on there Weird. if you're trying to aim for something in particular. So that was kind of cool. You say updates. It's kind of strange for me to hear that since I've been using video magnifiers since 1979. Ah, wow, the thought that your app slash video magnifier could change or gain features or improve is pretty wild to think about. That That's, you know, kind of different. So there's an advantage over some of the traditional handhelds right then and there, although uh, there are actual updates for some of the desktop ones. You have to contact your manufacturer to find out about those if your units can be firmware updated or not. But it's interesting to think about that because it changes like Murray was saying with the overlap, you know, there are now big video magnifiers that have OCR in them. So they scan and then they read to you. And then there are, they wouldn't be just one category anymore, you know, because uh, it goes all the way back to the My Reader, where the My Reader from Humanware used to take a picture and then it would scroll. So that way, if you had issues with, um, you know, carpal tunnel or hand movement, it would actually, you know, move the text for you. It's interesting to see how these devices have changed and you can't just categorize them in one spot. And even better yet, even as we're talking about these, this is August 2012 at the time of this recording. It could be something completely different in two months, three months, five months, a year. Yeah. And two, we have to always think about the fact that with, say, iOS devices, the camera isn't fully accessible to developers. That's always the yeah. drawback. Huge. Huge. Yeah, but I will say that if you use the camera app on the iPhone, it zooms to a certain point, but these apps seem to be able to zoom out a little bit farther. I don't know if that's by design or what, but... Uh, probably uh, because of the image stabilization type stuff. So Could be. They, they could be writing to a different stack that allows them. They might have figured something out and said, you know what, we don't have access to some of that stuff that Apple's doing but we need this to be stable or we need this for depth of field. So this is what we wrote. There's, there's a little black box and every little piece of Apple. So, um, but they could be doing something that's specific 
to, you know, doing image stabilization or taking the red eye out or some of the other things that they do for some of their video stuff. Now, these just did, uh, the ones like the Lumen, they, they just did snapshots. They didn't do like video clips or anything crazy like uh, that. No, okay. no I, I haven't okay. tried one that actually does video for you. So that's something I haven't tried. Our sister podcast, Triple Click Home, actually has reviewed some that use video to identify money, uh, like the Looktel magnifiers and others. They use video in that you can see it on the screen, but it's not like the apps that Rodney's talking about here, which are true blue video magnification are actually enlarging things. But for the prices that you mentioned versus anywhere from 300 to $800 for a device with a similar type screen, you're in a situation like Maury was saying, is it good enough? You know, what's good and what isn't good enough and what you have access to. If this is what you have access to, then this sounds like it's a, a pretty good uh, opportunity to use in a, in a regular situation. Do you Do you think of one or two places that you don't think it would work out? I have not. So have you tried it in a restaurant, one of these apps, and felt like it was not awkward because you could just snap a picture, hold it above the menus, you know, freeze the image or whatever, and then just put it down and comfortably scroll around the menu? I mean, that's... Well, I've mostly, like in a restaurant, I've used it to... Just sort of free form, you know, just holding it, not okay. not really taking a picture. Right. Because it only takes a small snapshot of what you're looking at. You really can't get the whole page unless you pull back really far. So as far as using, say, a handheld, the old round magnifier that you mm-hmm. pull in and out with your hand, you know, it's better to me than that because mm-hmm. you can find, okay, I need to see what, what is that ingredient? Is that... Olives are what? I don't know what that is. You can kind of zoom in on it and it'll refocus a little bit. You can make it out. But with any of these things, lighting is the big deal. If you're in the fancy French restaurant with the dim lighting, you might have a few problems. Now, oddly enough, there are some places that do ban cellular telephone cameras of all kinds. Really? Uh, this is, yeah, there are situations in which uh, in retail environments, they think you're a mystery shopper. And so you may be asked not to use your phone in places of uh, city government. If you're in a courthouse or something like that, you may have to get permission in order to use it. In some cases, uh, in some installations, you may be asked to leave your cell phone at the security desk because of confidential information that may be present. In the Division for Blind Services, I worked with someone who worked at a nuclear facility, and uh, she had uh, to choose a video magnifier that had no ability to take pictures. So, you know, there are restrictions when you're looking at some types of jobs that don't allow certain types of video magnifiers, and even more so, in some cases, uh, if you're in a security environment, you don't have your cell phone. So... There are some places where a standalone is still kind of used and needed. It seems very strange to say that as much as we find that technology can save us in a lot of places. But there are places where actually you can't use these devices. So remember that and that, you know, as much as we kind of poked fun at the old dome magnifier, sometimes it's still good to have it in your bag or purse because there may be that time uh, you really need to save your battery. Or there may be a time that you need to read something on the airplane and they won't let you use your electronic devices, which was something I had once when I had to figure out where my next flight was. (laughs) 
Yeah, the quickest thing to read something, if you can get a magnifier that works for you, I need like 7 or 10x, that's the quickest thing. If it's just something quick to read, like a price tag, and I'm not going to pull out anything fancy if I can read it with a handheld magnifier. But yeah, it's all on where do you want to spend your money? $5.99 for something that can do this is pretty incredible. Of course, you have to get the device, the iPad. Right, right, uh, right. But if you're going to get one anyways for other things, you know, and if it suits your purposes, then, you know, great. Yeah, and there are free solutions. There are some free apps that you can get in the various app stores. These are just the ones that I have played with a little bit. So if you have one of these particular mobile devices and you need a magnifier, you might want to try one of these, seeing as how it's only one or two cups of coffee if you mm. venture out into the Starbucks world. Uh, might be mm. worth uh, experimenting a little bit to see if it will do what you want. And if you have used them, let us know about it. Leave us an iReport right there on iBlink Radio or contact us, resources at com. Reply to us on our Twitter, twitter.com slash talk. We'd love to hear your experiences if you've played with these or if you've found ups or downs or if you already have a video magnifier, a True Blue dedicated one, you know, was this helpful to you or something as a nice backup? I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt that if you've got that old school video magnifier and the battery's only going to go two or three hours and you whip out the iDevice or what have you, that, that may actually be nice to have as a backup. Mm-hmm. It's time to dip into the feedback mailbag, whatever you want to call it, because we actually have commentary from you, the listeners. Uh, no iReports or anything like that, but we do have a few emails that we will include in our show notes, but Mari found one that she found really interesting, and I'm going to toss to her. Okay. Yeah, there was a lot of really nice, supportive feedback, which is great. That, that kind of keeps us going. But one in particular from Michelle, she wrote, I wonder about other practical topics as how do you navigate jury duty which I think would be an interesting topic because I always wondered that myself. How do you um, avoid jury duty? Got it. Yeah. Good. If I ever get called for jury duty, you know, what do you do when you don't see their facial features? But anyways, I always wondered that myself. So it might be an interesting topic. And then how do you set up devices around the house if you could not clearly see what you need to set up? Ask your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) We know Jeremy's answer. Yeah, one that is helpful in that way. (laughs) And how do you feel about traveling to new cities and countries as one's eyesight diminishes? So I thought that was good, something we can think about. Talk and travel. I like this idea. <laughs> but the funny thing is, um, when she says, how do you, setting up your devices around the home, a couple of days ago, our handy dandy rehab tech in the state brought me a new CCTV and it's talking and it's great, although I haven't played with it much yet. But it's like, what do I do I, with the other one? I know I could use it in every room in the house, but... I don't have a place to put it, 
And I thought I was going to be using less desk space, but all this stuff he brought for me, which was so kind, it's using more desk space. So what do I do with everything? It's all Anyways. convenient and helpful and <laughs> space In the way. not saving. Yes. I, <laughs> yes. My wife and I have moved into a new home and uh, I'm in that awkward position of not knowing where anything is. So I'm the blathering idiot standing in the kitchen going, where's the such and such? Or the soup is where now? Or sure, I'd be happy to put away the dishwasher dishes, but I'm not really sure where you put them. So <laughs> in the process of learning a, a new place. And uh, uh, she's been very helpful in that. She's um, my wife, um, unboxing things when I'm not ready for them to be unboxed. So it, my, my office is all astrew with gadgets and things and places everywhere, but I somehow still know where everything is because I've laid it down where I've laid it down. So there's, there's things to talk about in that. That's a whole nother organizational techniques conversation, I'm sure. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, those are really great topics and we appreciate all the feedback you guys have been giving us. It has been very swell. All the uh, wonderful comments on Twitter and uh, like uh, Rodney said, we, we've gotten in iReports before, but man, this time three emails in a row, uh, really great ones. You'll find them in the show notes at saratalk.com. This concludes episode four of High Contrast here on the Saratalk Podcast Network, SPN for short. You can find me, Rodney Edgar, on Twitter at Rodney Edgar, and you can find me a little bit over at techaccessweekly.com. And thanks to Mari Hill for being here. What would you like to pimp, as it were, Mari? <laughs> well, definitely check out my, I call it my blog. It's not my blog. It's aisquared.com slash blog. But I write quite a lot in it, and I've got some very intriguing stories lately there that have been pretty popular. So check it out. And I am on Twitter, but I, I don't do much with it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit. More Elizabeth. People actually noticed you on Twitter uh, last month, actually, for the month of July. Shortly after episode two aired, you, uh, you actually had a following. There you go. I took a jump, huh? There you go. There's always a little bit of a bump. And the man who doesn't need a bump, I'm telling you, he's Mr. Popular, uh, Mr. Jeremy Curry. You can find him already over at, at GW Micro, or, of course, he works for the wonderful company, GWMicro.com. Learn more about that, as well as Mr. Curry did a fantabulous demonstration of Windows 8 from the NFB Assistive Technology Trainers Division in which uh, I <clears throat> am vice president uh, of. Uh, so uh, it was very nice to have a high contrast buddy there and uh, presenting on Windows 8. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. And of course, myself, I'm Joe Steinkamp over at twitter.com slash rangerstation. All one word. I speak all over the Sarah Talk podcast available on this very RSS feed if you're already listening, and a couple other shows as well. I never get to leave. They they put me in this box and, you know, shove pizza under the door. I think that's how big the crack is, so uh, I'm here all the time. But thanks for listening, and uh, hey, Rodney, uh, I, think, uh, I think that's a wrap, huh? 
that is pretty much a wrap of this high contrast episode four. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, contact resources at serotalk.com. You can also check us out in iBlink Radio that you can get for your Android and iOS devices. I'll try and put Android first so that we're not considered iOS fanboys. Anyway, we will Alphabetical catch you. order. That's the way you look at it, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with that and pretend that it was planned that way. So anyway... Thank you for listening, and please drop us a note on Twitter and all the such, and we'll talk to you next time on High Contrast.